Now, did you know that Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the Father's mouth. That word, the word word, in the original language means the spoken word. Now, what you have to do with the written word is to say, Holy Spirit, teach me. Teach me what I need to know. And all of a sudden, you're reading along, and this word jumps up, and Holy Spirit begins to breathe on it, and it becomes a living thing, and it is, becomes the, the rhema, the spoken word to you. Or he can just speak to you directly. Amen? But we shall live by the word of God and none other. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm, I'm just preaching myself happy. This morning, I want to talk to you about Jesus. And you think, well, duh. I mean, that's what I'm here in church for. Talk about Jesus. Amen? But I want to look at Jesus in a different manner. I want to look at him as our model. What Jesus did on planet Earth, he was modeling what we can and should be, what we can and should do. What Jesus did, we can do. But let's look at him just for a little bit. With Jesus, in Hebrews 1, 3, chapter 1, verse 3 of Hebrews, it says that Jesus came to show us what the Father is like. Hmm. You know, can I just tell you that religion has painted a picture of our Creator that is not the real picture? Hebrews 1, verse 3. It says in the Living Translation, The sun radiates God's own glory and express the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. What that's saying is, you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. In fact, Jesus said that. You've seen me, you've seen the Father. Well, when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what do you see? What is he doing? Yes, he's healing the sick. He's casting out demons, raising the dead. He's preaching about the kingdom. I did a study on the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, and can I just tell you it totally changed my life. You don't hear that preached very often, do you? But those are the things that Jesus was doing. And he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now let me ask you something. Religion teaches that all... Oh, God's just trying to teach you a lesson. He gave you cancer. Has anybody heard that talk? Mm-hmm. That's wrong teaching. Jesus said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Anywhere in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, do you see Jesus releasing some germs on somebody to make them sick so they'll learn a lesson? Anywhere in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, do you see Jesus walking up and breaking someone's leg to teach them a lesson? Do you? Jesus said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. It says that Jesus went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. It says in 1 John that Jesus came to destroy 
destroy the works of the devil. Jesus said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So if you're wondering, is it God's will to heal me? Is it not? We kind of treat that the way us little girls used to do daisies. You know, we'd go out and find a little wild daisy. He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. Does he want to heal me? Does he want me sick? Does he want to heal me? Does he want me sick? Who's guilty of thinking that? I mean, be honest. But Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen him. So we know by looking at the life of Jesus, it is Father's will that we be well. It is Father's will that we be vibrantly alive. Do we have to question that anymore? No. But who puts the doubt in our thinking? The enemy. He doesn't want us well. He don't want us prospering. He doesn't want us walking in power. He doesn't want us doing anything except being in defeat, being depressed, being down and out. Is that right? The devil wants his thumb on our life. Squished. That's not God's destiny for any of you. It's not his destiny for me nor you. So Jesus came to show us what the Father is like. Jesus also came to make atonement for sin. Well, what does atonement mean? What, what is that spiritual sound and word? It just means at one moment, to be at one, to be at peace. In the garden, God had a plan, and that plan was, I'm going to put people on this planet like me, and I'm going to come down, and I'm going to walk with them, I'm going to talk with them, I'm going to be their friend. That was his plan, and he did it. But you know the story. The devil came, got in the body of a snake, spoke through the snake, and put doubt in the mind. Oh, God didn't mean what he said. He just knows if you eat that fruit over there that he told you not to touch, he just knows that if you eat that over there that you're going to be like him. Excuse me, I thought they were already like him. Are you born again? Are you born again? Amen. Whose image are you made in? What does the devil do? He comes to plant doubt. He hasn't changed his way he does stuff. What do they call it? The MO? He hasn't changed that because it works so well. Put a little seed of doubt. Just water it here and there, and that doubt will flourish into action. Mm -hmm. The good news is Jesus came to make atonement, and that simply means what was lost in the garden, the ability to fellowship with the Creator, the ability to be a friend, the ability to talk back and forth, conversation, the ability to live eternally in heaven was paid for by Jesus. What was lost in the Garden of Eden, can I just tell you, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus was praying, Lord, there's nothing impossible with you, but if it be your will, let this cup of suffering pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. It was one right there when Jesus said, I'm willing to make atonement. I am willing to take all the curses, the sickness, the eternity of lostness. I am willing to take that onto myself so that your creation can go free. It was one when Jesus said, 
right there in the garden, I'll do it. The rest was walking out the purpose. The rest was walking out the suffering. The rest was walking out the crucifixion. So what was lost in the Garden of Eden, the intimate fellowship with the Creator, was now restored. Hallelujah. We can walk with Father. It says in the Word of God, we can even come boldly into the throne room. Boldly. Do most of us come boldly in the throne room? We go with our head down in shame. Am I right? But that's not what the Word of God says to do. The Word of God says, enter the throne room with boldness. So I just take myself and I walk in and I say, Hi, Father. I'm just going to sit here a while. I'm just going to enjoy your presence. I don't want anything. I just want to hang out. Those are special times. We treat God like a catalog. I want this, and I want this, and I want this, and I want it by Sunday. Am I right? Online ordering. Okay, I want three of those, two of those, five of those, and I want it by day after tomorrow. We treat him that way. We forget that we're made for fellowship. We're made for intimacy with the Creator. We forget that. But Jesus. Say it with me. But Jesus. So rich in mercy. Ah. Uh, set me free. Just like the Word says. Mm -hmm. And whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Mm. Still preaching myself happy. Now, if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, read them over and 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 over, here's what you're going to find. Jesus taught three things. Only three. Repent. Follow me. Go and tell. Y'all read it this week. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's what you're going to find. He taught, repent, follow me, go and tell. Mm -hmm. What does repent mean? To turn around. I'm going this way. I see that this way is not leading me where I want to go, so I'm going to repent. There's where I want to go. I turned around. That's all that word means. You know, some people say they repent when they're really just sorry they got caught. Come on. Y'all don't shut me down now. I'm preaching good. There's a difference between sorry I got caught. I'm really sad about that. Don't think I want to do that again. There's a difference between that and saying, oh, I hurt the heart of God. I don't want to do that. I'm turning and going this way. You see the difference? That's repentance. Jesus said in Matthew 4:17, Repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. He was preaching the kingdom. Study the kingdom. It's amazing. There's lots of places to repent. It just simply, again, means we change our mind. We change our heart. We change the way we're, we're living. We change the way we're talking. We change. There's places to repent, such as talking the truth but living differently. Ouch. Trying to make others believe that we are something that we are not. 
elevating ourselves in our own mind, having outward okay behavior, but in the heart having unrighteous thoughts. Being motivated by the love of money rather than by God's priorities. Being legalistic by keeping the traditions of men while overlooking God's heart of mercy and compassion. God's heart is good for you. But religion has taught us that He is angry with us. That we're not worthy. That's what religion has taught us. Am I right? But I want to tell you, when you get plugged in to the Father and you see His heart, here's what you're going to see. Compassion, mercy, and love. You say, but sister, I thought He was a God of judgment. Yes, He is. But when you're a son of the Most High, you're a son. Who's going to be judged? What'd you do with Jesus? That's what's going to be asked. What'd you do with Jesus? Well, I believed him. I believed him. Come on in. And then there is a believer's judgment. Not wanting to get in a bunch of stuff, but there is a believer's judgment. After we're there, the believer's judgment is, I gave you these gifts. What'd you do with them? And we'll have to answer. Well, Lord, I was afraid. I mean, I knew, I, I knew you were. I knew you were. Uh, I went and hid. Well, Lord, you gave me five, and I turned it into ten. The unbeliever, the one that never accepted Jesus as Lord, they're judged right off into a lake of fire that was prepared for devils and fallen angels, not for mankind, but because of mankind's free will. And if they chose to not believe, that's where they go, on their own free will. Hurts the heart of God to send one of His there. That was not prepared for them. He's got all kinds of stuff prepared for us. My goodness, Jesus said, look, I'm going to go and I'm going to prepare a place for you. And the accounts that I've read of people going and seeing parts of heaven and coming back and writing about it. Guys, we have a custom-designed palace for us. Can you imagine that? A nice place. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe what I'm reading on these descriptions. We've got a place. Not a little bitty eight by eight. We've got a place that'll make the Saudi Arabia kings look pale at the spread. Hallelujah. I don't want to miss that. But more importantly, I don't want to miss hanging around the throne of my Creator and going, ah, you're even bigger than I imagined. Wow. You ready to go? If today was your last breath, would you go? If you're not born again, go ahead and say, Jesus. I want you as my Lord and Savior. I believe you. I'm sorry for what I've done. I believe you. Glory to God. Mm. I got off track, but that's okay. Places to repent is making sure other people know when we do good things. 
that sound a little pharisaical? I'm going to prance around in my holy robes, and this is what I've done. Did Jesus do that? No. If Jesus didn't do it, should we do it? No. That's right. If you can't see Jesus doing it, if you can't hear Jesus saying it, then you better not do it, and you better not say it. Period. That's an easy guideline. You don't have to wonder, should I, should I not? Can you see Jesus doing it? If you can't, don't. Another place to repent is pointing out other people's faults, but being blind to our own. Being jealous about those who are in better positions than we are. Making traditions of men a priority rather than God's heart. Man, I could do a whole series on that one. Jesus said the traditions of men have voided the Word of God. Should we check our own hearts and see if there's any traditions of men that are not allowing the Holy Spirit to be who He is? The traditions of men will kill the move of the Holy Spirit. I've got a book called Quenching the Spirit, and this author went back to the, the first century church and ran a history all the way through up to the year it was written, which was like 2003, all the way through. He would show revival sparking in a place, and inevitably one person snuffed it. Traditions of men were allowed to creep in and stopped the revival. It's more deadly than being thrown into a pit of rattlesnakes to entertain the traditions of men. Somewhere else we need to repent is being more concerned about what people think about our actions rather than what God thinks. Hello. People please in spirit. I've had to deal with that one big time, but I finally got over it. Hallelujah. Another thing we might need to repent in is majoring on minor things. Mm-hmm. I've got a good saying, and it bears to repeat. Will it make a difference in a thousand years? Put it in perspective. Will it make a difference in a thousand years? Quit majoring on those little bitty things that in a week it's not going to matter, let alone a thousand years. Judging by outward appearance instead of leaving judgment with God who looks at the heart. Hmm. Those are the places we need to repent. That's what Jesus taught. Where do we follow him? In John 8:12, he says, He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Would you like the light of life? I would. I don't like darkness. I don't. When I was growing up, lived on a farm out in the middle of nowhere, and my siblings were older, so I was kind of nearly an only child-like thing, and, and I would have nightmares when all the lights went out. Daddy didn't want a light burning, and in the winter, he didn't want a stove on. And it was pitch dark, no street lights, no out lights, dark, dark, dark. And I would just have all kinds of fear just rise up in me, just fear. I would just begin to experience horrible things. So I don't like darkness. I like light. And if we follow Jesus, we'll be walking in the light. And the darkness will diminish and soon dissipate. Amen? Amen. A little sidestep story on that. When I got saved and spirit-filled and did a study on devils, I realized that I was being tormented by demon spirits. So I went to the house that I was raised in. Mother and Daddy still live in that same house. 
and I cleaned house spiritually. Because I found, every time I would have these horrific terror sessions, it would be, I could see things coming up out of the basement to get me. Well, I found out that my grandmother, who had built the house, her husband had gone crazy. And back in those days, they didn't put crazy people over in Big Spring. They kept them at home. And she locked that man in the basement and would slide food under to him until he died. Devilish! My grandmother was doing a good thing. I mean, that's just what they did back then. But you see, those devils that tormented him didn't go in the grave with that man. They hung around. You ought to study devils. Don't get overboard. You're just to be wise. And so I went to that house. Because it made me mad when I found out I'd been tormented when I was a little old kid. They don't care if you're young. They're going to try to defeat you when you're little. They're going to try to abuse you when you're little. They're going to try to just go ahead and destroy you when you're little. They don't care. They're vicious. Their one goal is to destroy. Well, I went and cleaned house. Got rid of those things. They're not going to torment nobody else. Hallelujah. And every house I've ever lived in, after I got born again filled with the Holy Ghost, I clean house. I had a lady come to me the other day saying the house they had rented and moved in, they not only was experiencing tormenting things, the whole family, all five of them, saw demon spirits. Things would fly across the room. They would be all downstairs, and upstairs things would just rattle, and they'd go up there, and the drawers and the chest of drawers had been flung clear, clear across the room to the point of breaking them. They had taken a picture, and these demons manifested on the picture. That's a house infested. I said, well, what'd you do about it? He said, it scared us so bad we moved out. I said, you should have stood and cleaned it up. But that's okay. Clean up the one you're in now. This is an interesting thing. When I asked her the address of the house, I got to thinking about it. And I thought, hmm, I have a memory of not that house, but the one directly across the street. Back in the 70s, when I first got saved and spirit-filled, a friend of mine lived on that street, and she knew the woman in this house. And this woman told her that this person just appeared in her house dressed in Victorian dress. And we told her, well, we'll go over and tell it to leave. We'll cast it out. And she said, oh, no, I like it. Well, when this lady was telling me about the house across the street that they moved into, she said, I keep seeing a woman dressed in Victorian dress. Isn't that interesting? Some reason they have legal right to be there. But as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, guess what right we have? cast them out in Jesus name they don't have to torment innocent people anymore amen okay so I like light not dark I like walking in the light of Jesus and I'm not going to walk in the dark of the devil you know it's just who likes to walk with the devil anybody in here not going to do it any longer okay you have to take authority over him we follow Jesus by seeking Him, by listening to Him, by studying about Him, by being alone with Him, fellowshipping, worshiping, obeying. We make Jesus the only explanation of our life. Do you hear that? 
we make Jesus the only explanation of our life. I eat, sleep, and breathe Jesus. Even though I was raised in church, I had a Jesus in my head, but he wasn't alive and valid in my life. But when I got saved at the age of 26, he became alive. And all those traditions of men went out the window, and I embraced a living and an alive Jesus. He is my existence. He is my only reason for living. He is why I'm here sharing with you his good news. You see, the good news is you don't have to go to hell. You get to go to heaven, but you've got to make the choice. You don't have to walk in defeat. You can walk in victory, but you've got to make the choice. You don't have to be tormented by devils. You can walk with authority over them, but you still have to make that choice. Because God gave us the most absolute awesome gift he could have ever put into a creation. And that gift is called free will. We choose life or death. And when he was telling the people of Israel, it's your choice, life or death, then he tells them what to choose. Choose life. You see, that's his heart. He wants us to choose life. He does. It's not his will we walk in the darkness. It's his will we walk in the light and life of Jesus Christ. Now, will we learn lessons in the dark? Yes, we will. We better or we'll stay there. Hallelujah. Y'all getting quiet on me. And the last thing, go and tell. Matthew 28, 19, 20. He said, go into every nation and tell them everything I have told you. Well, how can you tell them what he's told you if you don't know what he's told you? I read the Word of God with one intent. Father, show me what I need to know. I used to read the Word of God so I could chop somebody else up with it. I would chop, 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 and then walk away feeling good. Brothers, that's the tradition of men. That's not the heart of God. The heart of God is to give life, to encourage, to say, you can make it. That's the heart of God. Amen? But listen to this. Until we respond to these Three things. Repent. Follow Jesus. Go and tell. How can we expect God to give us direction for our lives? Hmm? Calling. How can we know our lives calling? Until we respond to these three things. Until we obey these three commands. How can we? We can't. But in my own life, when I obeyed these things, my calling became clear. I knew that I was called to be a missionary. I was called to preach the Word of God. And I told him, I said, Excuse me, Lord, we need to have a talk. Do you not see that I'm a female? Because in the denomination I was raised, women are to be silent, not speak. But I knew in my heart, I knew in my heart I was called to preach the good news. How do you reconcile that? I went to the Word. You know, some of that's been taken out of context. False doctrine. In fact, there is pretty good evidence that one of the twelve apostles was a female. 
Hmm. Isn't that interesting? But when King James authorized the translation of all of these ancient documents, he chose Jerome, who hated women. Isn't that interesting? But Paul had women traveling with him, preaching. He didn't hate women. I thought he hated women. All those years, I thought he hated women. Lord, why, I mean, why did Paul hate women? But he didn't, because he had female travelers that preached the Word of God. Priscilla and Aquila. Priscilla was the preacher. Right, right. Yeah, the, the female of them. Right. Right. But it also in history says she was a preacher. So, you know, just lay down the female issue I had to because I had it as bad as the guys did. You know, I can't talk. I can't talk. But when I knew the calling on my life, you see, I had to be ready to suffer for the gospel. Are you willing to suffer for the gospel? Cost? Yes. It will. That teacher that got fired just simply having a Bible, he wasn't trying to convert nobody. He had his Bible to read during breaks. Fired. You willing to stand up for the cause of Jesus? Will you walk in the light or will you choose dark? I choose light. I like it. I love Holy Spirit. Oh, my goodness. He is incredible. He is my best friend. He can tell you stuff. I am telling you for a fact. I was waiting somewhere years ago. Didn't have my watch on for some reason. And I had an appointment to meet somebody to go to uh, out of town. And I, there wasn't a clock in the room I was waiting in. And I was getting kind of anxious. And I just said, Holy Spirit, what time is it? And he told me. And right after that, someone came in the room and I said, what time is it? It was exactly what he had told me. Amen. He wants fellowship with you. He wants relationship. It's all about relationship. The cross is about relationship. The cross restored the relationship that was lost in the garden. Hallelujah. I love Jesus. I'm not ashamed to say that. I have said it on television. I have said it on radio. I have said it on foreign soil. And I'm saying it in the county I was born in. I love Jesus. And he loves you with a passion. He loves me with a passion. And his heart is good for you. Not evil, but good. It's his heart. You see me, Jesus said, you see the Father. And we should be able to say, you see me, you see the Father. Excited that I'm a daughter of the Most High God? Y'all ought to be excited, your sons. You ought to hold your head up a little bit, shoulders back a little bit more, out of joy that you have been chosen to know Him. Our home in heaven's waiting, but till then, we'll be faithful here. In the trenches of battle and in the joys of victory. Amen. Amen. Is it about time? Okay, cool. You know, women can always talk. <laughs> ah, he sure can. Let me talk just a little bit about the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Now, 
it gets a little confusing. I mean, some people uh, are taught that when you're saved, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't see that in the Word, but sometimes it occurs real quick together. For myself, I was born again at the age of 26. Several weeks later, I began to read in the Word of God about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I began to desire that experience. And so I began to ask God, I want to be filled with your Spirit. I see in, in the book of Acts where I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and nothing would happen. So finally, I decided to go for prayer. And I went to this little church. Now, at this time in my life, I had never stepped foot outside the denomination I was raised in, still in that denomination. I stepped foot outside into a little tiny church in another town so nobody would know me. And I went down for prayer. I was very bashful, painfully shy. I went, and when I walked in, I was a little bit early. There was a guy down on the, at the altar, and he was knelt down, and he was praying, and he was not praying in English or Spanish. I remember I did like this, and I hit the back wall, and I said, Lord, am I supposed to be here? And I felt like I was, so I walked back, and I sat on the back seat right by the door so I could get out if I needed to. And so the preacher preached a lesson that I needed to hear desperately. It was true word of God, and it was refreshing. Then he gave the invitation, and my heart was pounding almost out of my chest. But I was too bashful, too shy to step out and go down. So he closed the invitation, gave the announcements, and then he had this funny look on his face, and he said, hmm, the Lord wants me to open the invitation back up. And I went, I'm had. So I, I took a deep breath and I walked down front and the little pastor said, well, what do you want Jesus to do? And I said, I don't know. I just want to be what he wants me to be and do what he wants me to do and go where he wants me to go. That's all I know. And he said, well, turn around and tell the church that. And I went, uh, Okay. So I turned around and said that real quick, turned back around, and he said, All you women, all you women, come down here and pray for this woman. Well, have you ever been in a chicken yard and there's one bug and 20 chickens? <laughs> have you ever seen that? Well, that's kind of the way I felt. All these women just, whoo. And you know, it's like one of them was saying, hang on, sister, hang on. And the other one was saying, turn loose, sister, turn loose. And I'm going, <laughs> I was scared out of my head. I mean, I was overload scared. Uh, and I think, oh my goodness, what have I got myself into? Because the church I went to, if they prayed for you, they said, we pray for you. And then you never heard them pray. You just, you know, assumed they did. And I mean, it was very quiet, and I mean, you know, and here they are screaming and hollering, hang on, hang on, turn loose, turn loose. And, I go. and so the pastor said, sister, raise your hands. And I went, what? Because I'd never seen that either. He said, raise your hands. I went, he said, no, raise your hands. I went, did you know that hurt to do that? My hands felt like two tons. I mean, oh, they were heavy. And he said, Sister, raise your hands. Oh, that hurts. <laughs> I was scared. And they prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed, and then they quit. 
but it was just to get their second breath. <gasps> Here they go again. <laughs> it's the truth. And so finally they just gave up. I went home. And that was on Saturday night that happened. And Sunday morning I went to my safe church. But I felt strangely warm and happy. And I had a good Sunday school and church was awesome. And I was just like, man, I feel so strangely good. And I saw this woman that I had led to the Lord. She was having all kinds of problems. And I said, well, I'll pray for you, meaning I will pray for you in my privacy. I got my three little kids, put them in the car, and was driving the 10 miles home. About a mile out of town, I thought, oh, I forgot. I told her I would pray for her. So I began to pray for this woman. All I can tell you is it felt like my head was just kind of unscrewed and this hot stuff poured in and it hit my stomach and it come back up out of my mouth and I was praying in a language I did not know. I got to the house, I told the kids, you kids go to your rooms for a little bit, leave me alone. Ran to my room, shut the door, got on my knees and said, Lord, was that you? And all of a sudden a different language came out of my mouth. Now, I can tell you, my life changed then. Where I had no power, I now had power. My life was in a mess, but I had strength now where I hadn't had any strength before. I was not a victim anymore, but a victor. If you'll seek for the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the same will be yours. Because it's the promise. It's the promise. Read the book of Acts. It's the promise. He is given to us for purpose. First off, so that we can now have access straight into the throne room and fellowship with the Creator. The reason we exist, what was lost in the garden, is now restored. Second, we now have the power to do what we're told to do. Go and tell. Go and show. Bring them in. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse the lepers. Cast out devils. Now the power is there. It's not in your head. He is a person. And the deal is to learn to step aside and let him do it. That's the secret. You want to know a secret? That's the secret to success in walking in power. That's to step aside and let him do it. Every time I hear his voice, and he tells me to do something, and I obey, I see results. But every time I get it in my wild imagination to do something, I fall flat on my face. <laughs> I have asked the Lord, I am begging you, Father, let me not walk in presumption, but let me walk in fellowship with Holy Spirit, hearing his commands, and I'll obey. That's why I wound up in Africa. Hallelujah. Let's pray. <laughs> Father, we just want to thank you so much for your goodness, for your kindness, for your mercy toward us. We thank you, Father, that you have revealed your character to us and that you're good. So we just want to enjoy your goodness. 
Father, I just ask that today, according to your word in Ephesians chapter 1, that you would grant all of us in this room the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of who you are, the hope that you've called us to, the inheritance that you have waiting on us. And Father, may we all experience the power of the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And Father, I'm just asking if there's any in this room that are not born again, that you bring Holy Spirit to them and convict them of their need for Jesus. And Father, I just ask that as they're convicted, you give them the courage to say yes. Father, I just ask for the ones that are believers that are walking with you. I just ask that you strengthen them in their heart, in their spirit, in their soul, that they can perceive the height, the width, the depth, and the breadth of your love, that they can be filled to your fullness, O oh God. Oh, we give you all the glory, Father. We give you all the glory. You're able to do immeasurably more than all that we can ask. Or even imagine, according to Holy Spirit power within us, we love you, thank you, thank you, thank you for Jesus, and thank you for Holy Spirit. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. amen. Hallelujah.